Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Are you ready for the word? Okay, we're going to get right into this. We're talking about culture shock. We're continuing in this series entitled Culture Shock. Now, we can either be those who are shocked by our culture, or we can be those who shock our culture. Now, I want the latter end of that to be what we begin to do in our city, in our community, in our world, to be among those that shock the culture, because we're getting too much culture shock, but it's the other way around. And we started this series talking about Noah, and, and he did a pretty good job at shocking his culture, didn't he? And then Tim Kleiner spoke about Abraham, a man of faith who changed the culture of relationship with God, with this thing called faith. It was personal. It was genuine. It was this connection with God. He's the father of our faith, according to the scripture. And, and Tim really mastered the whole element of, of coming into identity with Christ and finding Christ as our new identity. And then last week, Sam, I tell you, that guy, you got to watch him. <laughs> and, and I was told the first part of the message, it wasn't on the uh, podcast, but he was pretty rowdy. But that's okay. But you know what blesses me as, as a lead pastor of this church is to see God raising up sons and daughters. These are my spiritual sons and daughters. I have biological ones, but I also have spiritual ones. And it's exciting to see them begin to step out and minister the word of God because we're building for the next generation. We're building for the future. And I'm pouring into these young people so that we can continue to grow and impact this community and the world that we live in. And so now last Sunday, Sam talked about the apostle Paul. And Paul was a radical. I mean, he, this guy, he, it was said about what he did. The world was turned upside down because of radical people like him that were totally on fire for God. And so uh, contrasting his life after he had his encounter with God, he did a great job sharing that, and I appreciate that so much. Now today we're going to be looking at Esther. She was a woman who shocked her culture because she was willing to stand up for what was right in a time most needed. And I believe we have Esther's sitting among us today. Male and female in the spirit of how she shocked her culture and made a difference in her generation. Now we looked at some questions and I, I like you to consider questions. I'm, I maybe won't answer these questions, but maybe you can go on a search for, to find these answers for yourself. Who is to blame for what's going wrong in the world? And what can we do about it? Because everyone wants to point blame. It's your fault. But, you know, we need to take responsibility and do something about what's wrong. And how do we respond to what's happening in the world? What's our mission for this culture? How can we impact it? How can we change it? And what's shocking you to, in today's headlines? You know, I came across a story according to CNN authorities. Did you hear about the Texas Trio? These guys that uh, tried to send 100 pounds of fentanyl to Texas from, I believe it was Toledo, Ohio, and they got caught. 
And the authorities said that was enough fentanyl to wipe out the entire population of New York City and the entire population of the state of New Jersey. That's how deadly that substance was. Now, when I read that, I was shocked by that. Now, why would anybody want to attempt such a stupid thing? But yet, you know, there's this thing called culture shock. So how can we bring hope and love to a hurting world? Um, again, defining culture shock, it's, culture shock is a sense of disorientation that we experience when we're suddenly subjected to something that's unfamiliar, unfamiliar conditions, a different way of, of life, a different mentality, a different set of attitudes, a different set of values. And we're shocked, well, this doesn't make sense, okay? I like how Sam defined shock, culture shock last week. It's a sudden, upsetting, or surprising event or experience. Yeah, it can be good or bad, right? Now, culture shock is when we go into a different environment and expect the same results that we had from the previous one. You know, going down to Mexico, we actually went to Cancun, and we were on the quiet side, not the wild side of, of all that was happening. And, and so, uh, but going into places, you know, the, the most challenging thing was the language barrier. Because the first week, actually, uh, my, our sister-in-law, Dee, and Mariah joined us, and we were actually in the community. So we were around all local people. There weren't tourists there, but it was just a kind of a nice area. We, uh, Airbnb, it's a wonderful way to travel but, uh, and find places to stay for very little money, very good for the budget. And, and so, uh, you know, when, when, when we were there, it was like not that many people could speak English. And so we were really leaning on Mackenzie, but she let us down a few times. <laughs> but that language bill, you know, and I'm compassionate now, more compassionate for people that come from other countries that don't speak English well. I know exactly how they feel. You know, when you, you, you tell the taxi cab driver something and then you end up in a different location than what you... So we were wise. We took pictures. This is where we're going. <laughs> Ah, see, see, <laughs> it helped. And um, then the exchange rate, 18 to 1, 18 pesos for one American dollar. Then you're doing the math constantly in your mind. The first time we, when we got there, we went to a grocery store. And Dee loaded up a, a, a cart of groceries. We loaded up a cart of groceries. Went to the checkout. And I'm looking, and it's, it's ringing up, and it's over 600 pesos. I'm thinking, oh, it was only about $28, $30. And whoa, a whole cartload of groceries for that price? Hey, we can, we can stay here, you know? But, so, yeah, it, it was fun. We, we just enjoyed our time. And, and you know, even as, as we were just, you guys are always on our heart and our mind. Seeking God in the future of what he has for refuge. God gave us some insight. So we've got some goods that we're going to be bringing forth to you guys over time here. But I want you to turn to our key verse, Romans 12.2, as we look at this. Romans 12.2. And, and this is a classic verse in the Bible because it's so relevant to where all of us are. Everyone can relate to this passage because it applies to your life. 
And I'm reading from the uh, New International Version, Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You know, this is stated by the Apostle Paul in the form of a command. Do not conform. Do not conform. See, that is the natural flow of, of how we are as humans. We want to conform. We want to fit in. We don't want to stand out necessarily because when you stand out, it's like we become awkward and odd because we're standing out and we don't fit in. I'm one. I like to blend into the crowd. You know, if I'm wearing a pink outfit, guess what? I'm going to stand out. You know, so I'm going to not wear a pink outfit, okay? I'll say thank you, Pastor. No, I'm not against pink. In fact, that was my dad's favorite color. You know, he, he loved the color pink. So I, I don't know why he just did. Um, so do not conform to the pattern of this world. But, see, when you look at the but, that's a transitional word. So it gives us an objective of what we need to be concerned about. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Now that word transformed, actually the Greek word is metamorphosis. Well, we get the modern word metamorphosis from that, which is the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's one example. But we're metamorphosized into a new being, a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. And notice it says this transformation comes about by the renewing of your mind. This is the mind renewal right here, the Word of God. This will change the way you think, which will affect the way you believe, which will change the way you act. Because people only act out of how they believe and how they think. So if your thinking is wrong, you messed up from the beginning. But if your thinking is right, if it's lined up with the word of God, then your actions will be conformed not to the pattern of this world, but to the pattern of God's word in his destiny for you. I love the rest of this passage. This is the outcome. If you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, the outcome is then, then. Everybody say then. And I hate that when preachers do that. Okay? When they ask you to say something. Okay. Uh, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And it's progressive. It moves from good, pleasing, and perfect. And see, God wants to bring you through a progression of his good, his perfect, or his pleasing, and his perfect will. And see, the only way we can know the will of God is through transformation. As our minds are transformed and renewed to his word. And so, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of ministry of your word. We thank you for the truth that sets us free. Free from the yokes, the bondages, the pattern of this world has tried to impose upon us. Help us to rise up as a people in the strength of your spirit to take a stand even as Esther did in her day. For you brought her into the kingdom for such a time as this. You brought us into the kingdom for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I want to share this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Build your faith on things that matter. 
Build your, your faith on things that matter. See, we're living in a day when everyone is trying to tear things down. They're trying to tear things apart. They're trying to find fault. They're trying to just rip things apart. We have to think constructively, okay? Jesus is building his church, and he wants you and I to build with him, okay? That's constructive. And so what are we doing to build? Or are we just tearing down? Are we ripping or finding fault and, and saying negative things about people? You know, something the Lord began to deal with me. This was a, a number, probably about a year ago. As I was in prayer, the Lord challenged me. He said, don't ever say anything about yourself that I wouldn't say about you. And I said, okay, yeah, okay, God, that's, that's convicting. That's challenging. But then he went a step further and said, and don't say anything about others that I wouldn't say about them. I said, oh, now that one really hurts, okay? <laughs> because how often are we willing to rip somebody apart or say something negative? Because we don't like the way they look or we don't like what they said. So be constructive in your um, demeanor, okay? That's, that's my challenge for you today if you get nothing else out of this message. Now Esther is one of the great women of the Bible and one of the greatest women of all time. And just as Noah preserved uh, the species of this world and, and the human race, Esther preserved her people from extinction in the earth when they were about to be annihilated. See, Esther used her position for good. She did not use her position to tear down or manipulate. Esther used her position for the greater good, to protect her people from annihilation. And so I just want to give you a little backdrop of the, of the book of, of Esther, the story of Queen Esther. The book of Esther was most likely written between 460 and 331 BC. You know, so that's kind of a wide span of time, but um, it, that's when you know, theologians believe it was written. Now, it was after the reign of uh, Xerxes I, prior to Alexander the Great rise to power. And, and the book is actually 10 chapters, and I encourage you to read it. If you haven't read it after today's uh, message, that's your assignment. You need to read the book of Esther. Now, Esther lived in Persia about 100 years after the Babylonian captivity. The whole nation of people were taken captive because... Uh, you know, they came in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and, and took captive the people that were still alive. And they were under, in another culture, serving under another rule. And, and so there was a lot of oppression, a lot of injustice, a lot of negative things happening in that place. And, and she actually um, uh, was the daughter of Abihail. And unfortunately, her parents died, so she was an orphan girl. And so that, that's a story in itself, because as an orphan, you know, the identity of not having parents is, is traumatic in a person's life. And that was something I'm sure she had to overcome. Now, her cousin Mordecai actually took her under his wing, he was a little older, and raised her as a daughter and was a, a, a godly influence in her life. And, and she respected Mordecai and really listened to him. And took to heart uh, his, his role as, as, as really he became like a dad to her. Now, uh, Esther, the word Esther means star. And her Hebrew name was actually Hadessa. And we have Hadessa Eitenbrook here. I love that little girl. Uh, the name Hadessa represents righteousness. 
which is pretty powerful, which is the name for the myrtle tree, which is also known for its purity, which you know, that's along lines with what you guys are doing tonight at Highlands, looking at what is the role of purity in our lives. Now, Esther became queen of Persia and delivered her people from annihilation. She's actually the least likely to be chosen by God to step up to save a nation, when we really think about it. See, she was respectful to authority, yet she had a voice, and she was willing to speak up. She wasn't just this humble, quiet gal. I mean, she was able to speak up for what was right and take a stand and declare what needed to be said at the right time. And, and that's, that's important to know and understand. Now, it's an interesting fact, and I'll just share this. Uh, although God is not mentioned anywhere in the book of Esther, he is revealed through what was accomplished. Because it's a, it's a historical book of the nation of Israel. Very important. And so God is revealed through his works and how he delivered his people, Israel. Now, I'll give you the storyline real quick. I'll try to run through this the abbreviated um, format here. One day the king of Persia, uh, Jerxes, now he wasn't a jerk, maybe he was a jerk at times, but, uh, but Jerxes threw a lavish party. And, and on the final day, he decided he wanted to parade his queen, Queen Vashti, before all of these dignitaries and all of these people that were gathered. And she must have had a bad day because she refused to show up. Oh, that got... Uh, Xerxes very angry. So he said, she's through. I'm, I'm going to banish you from the kingdom. She's not going to have access to the throne. And so this was kind of a heartbreaker, I'm sure, for him. And the leadership came to him and said, okay, uh, I have an idea. This is what you can do. Go throughout the land of Persia, all these dominions, these kingdoms that he was overseeing, and find virgins. And bring them into the harem, and, and we'll uh, begin to uh, find and go through a selection process to find another queen for you. And um, see, that was the first Bachelor series right there. You know? You wonder where Hollywood gets these ideas? Straight from the Bible. Somebody's probably reading the book of Esther and say, hey, I have an idea. Let's uh, do Bachelor. And then that was enough, so they had Bachelorette. Okay, so, Yeah. Now, is that godly? I don't think so, but that's what happened. That's what happened in this day. This was not a godly nation necessarily, and it's, it's not the way that you should go about selecting a life partner either, okay? So uh, there's other ways that are more in line with the Bible, okay? And so encourage that. So uh, in Esther 2, and, and you can just jot this down. We won't uh, have you turn there. Uh, chapter 2 uh, the scripture says in, that he appointed officials to go through all the provinces in his kingdom and gather all the beautiful young virgins to bring to the harem. And uh, then they went through that whole process. So in every good story, guess what? There's a villain, right? There's a villain. And the villain in this story happened to be a guy by the name of Haman. Now, he did not like Mordecai. Because Mordecai refused to bow to him. I don't have to bow to you. I bow to my God. And so that created a little animosity between Mordecai 
And Haman, so Haman devised a plot to annihilate the Jews. And, and he was like the chief um, servant under the king. He was one of the, the big, big uh, people on the totem pole. So somehow he, he convinced the king with the king's permission to destroy all the Jews and appoint a day that it would be done. And so, uh, and it just happened to be that Esther was Jewish. And she was the one through the whole bachelor process was selected by the king to be the queen. And so as the story goes on, um, she has an opportunity now to intervene because Mordecai shares with uh, Esther the plot to destroy the people. And, and Mordecai approaches her, and we can see this, and we can take this up and... Um, We'll take it up in a little bit, but I'm going to just share with you the three points, and I'm going to begin because this part is within the first point. There are three significant things that we observe from Esther's life that resulted in her shocking her culture, okay? If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. Number one, she was chosen for a specific time. She was chosen for a specific time. You see, God has a plan for each of us. Yet we must wait for his direction and his leading. Because you don't want to jump out ahead and get ahead of God. You want to wait for his timing. Because so often people miss God in his timing. And when you understand the will of God, there's other factors that come into play. If you want to fulfill the will of God in your life, and how many of you want to fulfill the will of God in your life? I, I do. Yes, I do. And it's wonderful to see you raise your hands as well. But to fulfill the will of God in your life, there's this thing called timing. Yeah. It has to be the right timing to step out in the will of God. And also, then there's the right method, the way you go about it. And for you to, to step out in God's timing, you need or, or to fulfill his purpose and his will, you need to have the right timing and the right method in order to fulfill it. Now, if we do not answer God's call, God may call someone else. And you see, God has a plan for each of us. And maybe you think you've missed your time. But you know what? As you look to God, he'll reveal to you his timing for your life of, of what he's called you to do. And as to 4.3, when this dilemma first came on the scene, the scripture reads, and in every province where the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. They got this word that we are a people that are going to be annihilated. Can you imagine that coming down from the government? Okay, we're going to annihilate all the Polish people. Uh, I'm Polish. Part Polish. I'm not ashamed of that either, okay? <laughs> Polish are good people, okay? Uh, that's my uh, nationality anyway, heritage from way back. Anyway, that would be horrible. But you know that actually, that actually happened during World War II under Hitler's reign? He began to annihilate the Jews. And he began to carry that out. Six million were murdered under Hitler's reign. That's horrible. But this was, all, this was a similar thing back in the day of Esther that was taking place. 
In verse 4, cousin Mordecai shows up. Esther, I got to talk to you. And what does he say? Taking up in verse 13, it says, And Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. And actually, he wasn't able to meet her face to face. He had to send a message. You know, we are text today. We do something like that. But he sent a messenger, a real person, that went to Esther and shared this with her. Do you not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews? Verse 14, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. What a message. I'm sure that brought conviction to her. See, what greater purpose does your promotion hold? Maybe you just got promoted recently. You say, oh, it's a bigger paycheck, more benefits. Oh, this is good. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can buy the boat. But maybe God has a purpose for that increase in your paycheck. Maybe he has other plans for that promotion. And how is that promotion to impact the kingdom? Okay? Just think about that for a moment. See, she overcame her fear to step into her calling. And see, you and I need to identify the fear that's holding you back from your calling. What is it? Is it the fear of, oh, I, I won't have enough to make it for the future? Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not anointed enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. You need to overcome that fear once you identify it. See, you were born for such a time as this to make a difference in this generation. Point number two. She was chosen to fulfill God's purpose. Esther was chosen to fulfill God's purpose. See, there's a specific reason and a specific purpose that God has for our lives. And Esther realized what her purpose was for that time and that season was to speak up on behalf of her people, and which she did. I want you to look at 2 Timothy 1.9 because I believe this addresses all of us here today. You know, and before we read this, we need to understand that long before the world began, God had determined his purpose for our lives. See, he's already determined the purpose for your life before this world was even formed. That was a done deal, okay? And so you can't change God's purpose. It's already set, sealed. It just needs to be delivered to you when you seek it out, Okay? 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, it's not, not because of what we've done, but because of, notice, his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began. Wow. That, you, you need to sit on that. Mark that down. Look at that later. We're moving on. See, he saved us on purpose, for a purpose, and called us to a holy calling. See, we're called the holy calling not because of anything we've done, but because of what he purposed to do in us, in Christ, before the world began. Uh, just think about it. We serve a mighty God who longs to reveal himself in our lives. Why did he make us? Why does he, what does he want us to know? What does he want us to do? How does he want us to live? 
See, God is ready and willing to reveal his purpose to us. Regardless of the crisis we face in life, never forget that God created us to serve a greater purpose. In fact, there's a present assignment right now that relates to his purpose for your life. Do you believe that? There's a problem that exists when we don't know his purpose. And understanding your purpose is a key to fulfillment in your life. See, our purpose is not necessarily our decision, but it's our discovery. We need to discover the purpose of God. And I want to challenge you to make that your quest. Labor with that. Say, Lord, I want to know your purpose. Reveal your purpose for my life. See, I've done that, and I believe I'm living out the purpose of God for my life. And yet there's more that God's revealing as as I continue to serve him because I'm not finished yet, and neither are you, okay? Point number three, Esther was willing to take a risk for a worthy cause. She was willing to take a risk for a worthy cause. She acted with courage. To act with courage is a belief, to have a belief and a faith in God. She stepped out in faith to do what was right. In verse 16 of Esther chapter 4, the scriptures reads, Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Now we understand that to approach the king without an invitation, no matter who you were, even the queen, could not just approach the king without an appointment. But because of the urgency of the need and the annihilation that was pending over her people, she went before the king. And the king had a scepter. And there was, I'm sure there's like a long corridor. You saw the movie, right? The door is open. There's a long corridor. The king's sitting on his throne. He's got his scepter. You know, that's her husband. She's his wife. And he has that scepter. And either it's thumbs up or thumbs down. If it's thumbs down, she's over. Her life has ended. But she's willing to take that risk. And if he's having having a bad mood and a bad day, it could have been, it could have gone wrong. But it was thumbs up for Esther. And so she approached him. And what does it say in chapter 5, verse 2 and 3? When the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even to the half of my kingdom. Wow. Now, the rest of the story goes, the request was, okay, would you come to a dinner party that I'm I'm throwing? And I want Haman to come too. I said, okay, okay. So that happened. And at that moment, he said, then I'll make my request known to you. And when Haman was gathered in that dinner meeting with her and the king, she made a request. Spare my life and my people because there's a plot against us from the enemy. This wicked man, Haman, who's seated right here, 
has plotted to destroy me among all of our people. Oh, the king was outraged. And he had built a gallows to hang Mordecai on it. And that's ultimately where he was hung. He was destroyed. And the end of the story, the Jews were able to defend themselves. They were given the right to defend themselves on that day of annihilation because that annihilation couldn't be changed. But they were able to defend themselves and they rose up victoriously. Now, that celebration still is carried on in the nation of Israel. It's called Purim. They celebrate that time that Esther delivered her people from annihilation. Now, there's a parallel here that we can see and as we bring the service to close. There's a king on the throne. And we can approach that king with our request. Just as Queen Esther approached the king. And in that situation, she was married to the king. We are the bride of Christ. And so we can approach the king. And the king is willing to share his kingdom with us. He's willing to answer the request that we come to him with. What is your request today? What need are you facing today? Oh, there's so much more that we could build into this and see in, in this message. But you may have issues today that are perplexing your life that you don't know what to do with. You need to name that issue. And you need to know that there's a name above the name of that issue. And it's the name of Jesus, the name above every name that's named. And you can find victory through Jesus. At this time I ask if everyone would bow your head and close your eyes because I want to give an invitation. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, you know what? I don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't really serve him as the Lord of my life. I'm not really walking with him or living for him. But I want to give my heart to him today. You see, you have a need. Your need is for a Savior to save you from your sins. Because if you don't receive him as your Savior, you will face the judgment for your sins, which is eternally being separated from God. Eternal punishment. Annihilation. Just as Esther's people, the Jewish people, were facing. God wants to deliver you from annihilation. And that's why he sent Jesus. And he wants you to be able to come and approach the throne. And he's going to hand that scepter to you with thumbs up because he's going to welcome you to approach him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to approach the king. I want to give my heart to the king. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you today, you know that you're in a place where you're not walking with God, but you want to. Maybe you've backslidden, you've drifted away from God, and now you want to come back. If that's you, lift your hand. We're going to pray a prayer together, anyone today. Thank you. Thank you for lifting your hands. Thank you for your honesty. God's going to meet you in a very powerful way. Today is a day that we will encounter his presence. Let's stand up together. We're going to pray this prayer together. For those of you that lifted your hand, 
We ask that you pray this prayer after me and make the words I say your words. Embrace them from your heart. And we're going to have a prayer team come up in just a couple moments after, after we sing another song. And we're going to encourage you to come forward for prayer. And we have something we want to give you as you begin your journey with God. But repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I don't want to be annihilated. I don't want to be separated from you. I believe, Jesus, you came for me to die on a cross. I believe in you. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I receive you. Forgive me for my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You were appointed for such a time as this. You are alive on this earth to serve the purpose of God for such a time as this. So my last word to you before we worship God in closing here is to commit to serve the purpose of God for your life. Whatever it costs for you to discover it and to seek it out and find what it is, go after it with all of your heart. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.